Joe, what I was wondering about was if you have a particular process to the way that you approach your cases when you get them. I do. Uh, and it's been, uh, BB, the same process I've adopted for about 25 years. It's really basic and it's really simple and it really works. And it goes like this. So what I tend to do is whether the case papers, that's the witness statements, the documentary exhibits, etc., are in fact uploaded to um, the digital case system or whether I am actually given hard copies, all of my papers end up in a lever arch file or two or three. My objective is always to slim down the papers that I really need into not a lever arch file, but a slim file. So it becomes extremely important to me to do the sifting exercise, the filtering exercise, so that I can focus on what really matters. So stage one for me is get all my papers together and order them. I have a particular approach, a formulaic approach. I like to use tabs in my file. My first tab in my file is invariably the case summary that's prepared by the prosecution. The next tab will be the indictment. The next tab will be the list of witnesses. The fourth tab will be the actual witness statements that I'm going to need for the trial. In other words, the witnesses who I'm going to be cross-examining. The next tab will be my list of exhibits. The tab after that will be the actual exhibits, the documentary exhibits, which are going to be important for me to have to hand in the trial. And then after that, I've got a tab for what we call unused material. Then I've got a tab for my client's instructions in a proof of evidence. I will have a tab for the defense statement. And finally, I will have a tab for correspondence. And all of that gets pared down to a file that ultimately is a slim file that I can walk around with. It's my walk around file. And this is really important because if I tell you what my style of advocacy really boils down to, it's this. It's about minimizing the material which you've got to only those essential papers that are going to be used and deployed in the context of the trial. And the rationale behind that, BB, is to remove all extraneous matter which can distract you. And I'll, I'll come on to this in a minute when I talk about how I prepare my cross-examinations when we get to that. But for the first stage, it's this. Think of an advocate as essentially an accountant. An accountant crunches numbers. An advocate crunches facts. So when I teach case analysis to young barristers and we talk about how you dissemble the information which you've got, I will say to them, You've got the relevant law, which you must make sure you're on top of. That's to do with the statute and the authorities which are relevant and including criminal procedure rules or civil procedure rules. Then you've got the actual material in your case to do with the facts. That's the witness statements, the exhibits, etc. And what you're looking to do is to condense that information, crunch it down a bit like an accountant does, so that you only have the bare essentials. The first stage is organize your material in a way that works for you. And I'll mention one other thing about this as well, Bibi, and it all sounds very, you may think, my goodness, this sounds like he's preparing for his GCSEs or his A-levels. You know, has he really been doing this all his career and managing to get by? The answer is yes. And I'm going to tell you what I do. I use highlighters like they're going out of business, right? For me, highlighters are an absolute godsend because when you talk about preparing your, for your case, identifying what really matters is crucial when I talk about crunching facts. So let me tell you what my little system is. I use a pink highlighter for dates and times. 
I use a green highlighter for locations. I use a blue highlighter for any exhibits that are mentioned in a witness statement or on an exhibited document. I use an orange highlighter for anything that relates to my own client and only my own client. So, for example, if it's a murder uh, case where I've got there's three, four, five defendants and I'm representing one of them, my client will get an orange. That's what he gets because that's about him, because it helps me to focus on what that witness is saying about him. And then I'll use a yellow highlighter for just, you know, contextual things. And what that means is this. When I stand up and I have a witness statement in front of me and I've highlighted it in the first tranche of work that I've done in preparing the case, I've already done that highlighting thing where I've seen what really matters, dates, locations and all of that. My eyes don't dance around the page. I don't confuse myself and start thinking, oh, my God, where where is it? I know it's there somewhere. Was it on the second page? Was it on the third paragraph? Where is it? I don't need to worry about that because I've highlighted it and I know exactly where to find it. So when I prepare my cases, that is part of the initial work that I do, putting them in a file, tabbing them, highlighting them, and then filleting that file and taking out from the file, what do I actually need? And what I actually need, Bibi, of course, is informed by my client's instructions, um, what they say happened, what they say they disagree with in the witness statements, That allows me to make decisions about which witnesses I actually need to come to court so that I can cross-examine them and which witnesses I don't need. And then I begin the process of preparing my cross-examination. And if I may, Bibi, I'll just tell you what I tell all my students. And I think some of them think I'm making this up because they think you can't possibly do that and get away with it. But I do get away with it. And I've been doing it for a long, long time. And it's this. For me, the rule that I operate by, the name of the game is I want the minimum number of pages in front of me when I'm standing up and doing advocacy. The minimum. I only want what I really need. So I'll tell you how that works. When I'm listening to a witness giving evidence in chief, examination in chief, I know that the vast majority of barristers here, and I'm sure elsewhere in other jurisdictions as well, will write notes, usually long-handed notes of what the witness is saying. And my goodness, that's really, you know, energy consuming. It's time consuming. It means that you're focusing on writing down what the witness said. And of course, witnesses don't speak in the way that a barrister should be speaking at a, a, you know, a, a regular pace. And it's really difficult to keep up. For me, that is madness. It's madness to write down everything a witness is saying, because it means that if you're doing that, You're not actually studying the witness. You're not looking at the witness and you're not really listening to the witness. What you're doing is you're being a scribe and you're writing as quickly as you can. A bit like being in school in a classroom when the teacher's punishing the students for misbehavior and they say, right, write down the following and they move at about, you know, 500 miles per hour and everyone's scribbling until their wrists and their fingers absolutely ache. I don't see the point. It seems to me to be supremely inefficient. I'll tell you why. The reality is that when an advocate, let's say a prosecutor, is leading their witness in chief, not leading them in leading questions, but they are taking their witness through their statement, they will, generally speaking, go through the statement in the way in which the information is set out on the statement. And most of the time, a witness will, in fact, simply say what they said in the statement. They might change a word or two, but they're, generally speaking, going to say what they said in their statement. Sometimes they go off-piste, and we can come to that. My point is this. If, in fact, a witness is broadly speaking, saying what's in their witness statement, why are you writing it down longhand? It's almost completely duplicating what's on the face of the statement. Just get your red pen and tick, tick and tick. As the prosecutor goes through the statement in chief, 
tick, tick, tick. And that means that the test is as long as the witness pretty much says what's in the witness statement, tick it. If, however, the witness varies from their witness statement in a way that matters, in a way that is material, in a way that betrays some inconsistency, which may itself reveal that they're not telling the truth, and in a way that may give you ammunition for cross-examination, write it in. Write it in blue ink. So different colored ink. You've ticked to say they've got that right in red, but you write in blue ink anything which is a variation. That means you can come back to it when you're cross-examining. In black ink, what I do is I write in the margins of my witness statement any difference between my client's instructions of what happened and what the witness is saying. So I don't end up having a piece of paper here for the witness statement, a proof of evidence over here, and on top of all of that nonsense, a third document, which is the notes I've made of what the witness has just said in chief. I don't want that. I just want that one thing. So when I stand up in court, it, it may look odd to some people and they might wonder why, how I'm doing it. But what I'm actually doing is everything I need is on here. Everything. So I can see what's changed about their statement. I know what to cross-examine on. I know equally that what's in black ink means, Joe, whatever you do, do not sit down until you have put your client's case. And you cannot be excused from failing to do that if it's in black ink right in front of your face. So for me, simplicity, Bibi, simplicity, condensing your information allows the advocate to become liberated because then what happens is, Bibi, if you've got rid of all the guff and all the distraction and all the extraneous matters from all those different documents you don't need, we get to hear Bibi. We get to hear her. We get to appreciate her personality as an advocate because she's only got the one document in front of her and it allows her to focus on the witness rather than to focus on the paper. Thank you for listening to the Advocacy Podcast, Journeys to Excellence. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and visit us at theadvocacypodcast.com for reading lists and other resources. Until next time.